0: Section twenty seven of the History of Chemistry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Karen Turton. The History of Chemistry by Thomas Thomson. Volume one, Chapter eight of the Attempts to Establish a Theory in Chemistry, Part two. Another of Stahl's works is entitled Opusculum Chimico Physico Medicum, published at Halley in a thick quarto volume in the year 1715. It contains a great number of tracts, partly chemical and partly medical, which it is needless to specify. Perhaps the most curious of them all is his dissertation to show the way in which Moses ground the golden calf to powder, dissolved it in water, and obliged the children of Israel to drink it he shows that a solution of hepar sulphurous sulphuret of potassium has the property of dissolving gold and he draws as a conclusion from his experiments that this was the artifice employed by moses we have seen in the same volume a pretty detailed treatise on metallurgic pyrotechny and dosimacy. this is the more curious because stahl never appears to have frequented the mines and smelting-houses of germany he must therefore have drawn his information from books and from experiment Another of his books is entitled Experimenta, Observations, Animed Versions, CCC, Numero, an octavo volume, printed at Berlin in 1731. Another of his books is entitled Specimen Becheranium. There are also two chemical books of Stahl which I have seen only in a French translation, viz. Traite de Souffre and Traite des Sels*. These are the only chemical writings of Stahl that I have seen. There are probably others. Indeed, I have seen the titles of several other chemical works ascribed to him. But as it is doubtful whether he really wrote them or not, I think it unnecessary to specify them here. Stahl's writings evince the great progress which chemistry had made even since the time of Bescher. But it is difficult to say what particular new facts which appear first in his writings were discovered by himself and what by others. I shall not, therefore, attempt any enumeration of them his reasoning is more subtle and his views much more extensive and profound than those of his predecessors the great improvement which he introduced into chemistry was the employment of phlogiston to explain the phenomena of combustion and calcination this theory had been originally broached by becker from whom stahl evidently borrowed it but he improved and simplified it so much that the whole credit of it was given to him it was called the stallion theory and raised him to the highest rank among chemists the sole objects of chemists for thirty or forty years after his time was to elucidate and extend his theory it applied so happily to all the known facts and was supported by experiments which appeared so decisive that nobody thought of calling it into question or of interrogating nature in any other way than he had pointed out it will be requisite therefore before proceeding further with this historical sketch to lay the outlines of the phlogistic f- theory before the reader. It was conceived by Becker and Stahl that all combustible bodies are compounds. One of the constituents they supposed to be dissipated during the combustion, while the other constituent remained behind. Now, when combustible bodies are subjected to combustion, some of them leave an acid behind them, while others have a fixed powdery matter possessing the properties of an earth and called usually the calques of the combustible body the metals are the substance which leave a calx behind them when burnt and sulphur and phosphorus leave an acid with respect to those bodies that would not burn chemists did not speculate much at first but afterwards they came to think that they consisted of the fixed substance that remained after combustion hence the conclusion was natural that they had already undergone combustion thus quicklime possessed properties very similar to the calces of metals it was natural therefore to consider it a calx and to believe that if the matter dissipated during combustion could be again restored lime would be converted into a substance similar to the metals combustibility then according to this view of the subject depends upon a principal or material substance existing in every combustible body and dissipated during the combustion this substance was considered to be absolutely the same in all combustible bodies whatever hence the difference between combustible bodies proceeded from the other principle or number of principles with which the common substance is combined in consequence of this identity stahl invented the term phlogiston by which he denoted this common principle of combustible bodies Inflammation, with the several phenomena that attend it depended on the gradual separation of this principle which being once separated what remained of the body could no longer be an inflammable substance but must be similar to the other kinds of matter it was this opinion that combustibility is owing to the presence of phlogiston and inflammation to its escape that constituted the peculiar theory of Becker, and which was afterwards illustrated by Stahl with so much clearness, and experiments to prove its truth were advanced by him of so much force that it came to be distinguished by the name of the Stahlian theory. The identity of phlogiston in all combustible bodies was founded upon observations and experiments of so decisive a nature that after the existence of the principle itself was admitted they could not fail to be satisfactory when phosphorus is made to burn it gives out a strong flame much heat is evolved and the phosphorus is dissipated in a white smoke But if the combustion be conducted within a glass vessel of proper shape this white smoke will be deposited on the inside of the glass it quickly absorbs moisture from the atmosphere and runs into an acid liquid known by the name of phosphoric acid if this liquid be put into a platinum crucible and gradually heated to redness the water is dissipated and a substance remains which on cooling congeals into a transparent colourless body like glass this is dry phosphoric acid if we now mix phosphoric acid with a quantity of charcoal powder and heat it sufficiently in a glass retort taking care to exclude the external air a portion or the whole of the charcoal will disappear and phosphorus will be formed possessed of the same properties that it had before it was subjected to combustion. The conclusion deduced from this process appeared irresistible. The charcoal, or a portion of it, had combined with the phosphoric acid, and both together had constituted the phosphorus. Now, in changing phosphoric acid to phosphorus, we may employ almost any kind of combustible substance that we please, provided it be capable of bearing the requisite heat. They will all equally answer, and will all convert the acid into phosphorus. Instead of charcoal we may take lamp black or sugar or resin or even several of the metals. Hence it was concluded that all of these bodies contain a common principle which they communicate to the phosphoric acid and since the new body formed is in all cases identical, the principle communicated must also be identical. Hence combustible bodies contain an identical principle and this principle is phlogiston. Sulphur by burning is converted into sulfuric acid, and if sulfuric acid be heated with charcoal, or phosphorus, or even sulphur, it is again converted into sulphur. Several of the metals produce the same effect. The reasoning here was the same as with regard to phosphoric acid, and the conclusion was similar. When lead is kept nearly at a red heat in the open air for some time, being constantly stirred to expose new surfaces to the air, it is converted into the beautiful pigment called red lead this is a calx of lead. To restore this calx again to the state of metallic lead, we have only to heat it in contact with almost any combustible matter whatever. Pit coal, peat, charcoal, sugar, flour, iron, zinc, etc. All these bodies then must contain one common principle, which they communicate to red lead, and by doing so convert it into lead. This common principle is phlogiston. These examples are sufficient to show the reader the way in which Dahl proved the identity of phlogiston in all combustible bodies, and the demonstration was considered as so complete that the opinion was adopted by every chemist without exception. When we inquire further, and endeavor to learn what qualities phlogiston was supposed to have, in a separate state, we find this part of the subject very unsatisfactory, and the opinions very unsettled. Becker and Stahl represented phlogiston as a dry substance, or of an earthy nature, the particles of which are exquisitely subtle and very much disposed to be agitated, and set in motion with inconceivable velocity. This was called by Stahl, Motus Verticillaris. When the particles of any body are agitated with this kind of motion, the body exhibits the phenomena of heat or ignition, or inflammation, according to the violence and rapidity of the motion. This very crude opinion of the earthy nature of phlogiston appears to have been deduced from the insolubility of most combustible substances in water. If we accept alcohol and ether and gums, very few of them are capable of being dissolved in that liquid. Thus the metals, sulphur, phosphorus, oils, resins, bitumens, charcoal, etc., are well known to be insoluble. Now, at the time that Becker and Stahl lived, insolubility in water was considered as a character peculiar to earthy bodies, and as those bodies, which contain a great deal of phlogiston, are insoluble in water, though the other constituents be very soluble in that liquid, it was natural enough to conclude that phlogiston itself was of an earthy nature but though the opinions of chemists about the nature and properties of phlogiston in a separate state were unsettled no doubts were entertained respecting its existence and respecting its identity in all combustible bodies its presence or its absence produced almost all the changes which bodies undergo hence chemistry and combustion came to be in some measure identified and a theory of combustion was considered as the same thing with a theory of chemistry Metals were compounds of calces and phlogiston. The different species of metals depend upon the different species of calx, which each contains. For there are as many calces, each simple and peculiar, as there are metals. These calces are capable of uniting with phlogiston in indefinite proportions. the calx united to a little phlogiston still retains its earthy appearance. A certain additional portion restores the calx to the state of a metal. An enormous quantity of phlogiston with which some calces as calcs of manganese are capable of combining destroys the metallic appearance of the body and renders it incapable of dissolving in acids the affinity between a metallic calcs and phlogiston is strong but the facility of union is greatly promoted when the calx still retains a little phlogiston if we drive off the whole phlogiston we can scarcely unite the calcs with phlogiston again or bring it back to the state of a metal hence the extreme difficulty of reducing the calcs of zinc and even the red calx of iron, the various colors of bodies are owing to phlogiston, and these colors vary with every alteration in the proportion of phlogiston present. It was observed very early that when a metal was converted into a calx, its weight was increased. But this, though known to Becker and Stahl, does not seem to have had any effect on their opinions. Boyle, who does not seem to have been aware of the phlogistic theory, though it had been broached before his death, relates an experiment on tin which he made he put a given weight of it into an open glass vessel and kept it melted on the fire till a certain portion of it was converted into kelks. it was now found to have increased considerably in weight this experiment he relates in order to prove the materiality of heat in his opinion a certain quantity of heat had united to the tin and occasioned the increase of weight this opinion of boyle was incompatible with the stallion theory for the tin had not only increased in weight but had been converted into a calx it was therefore the opinion of boyle that calx of tin was a combination of tin and heat it could not consequently be true that calx of tin was tin deprived of phlogiston when this difficulty struck the phlogistians which was not till long after the time of Stahl, they endeavored to evade it by assigning new properties to phlogiston according to them it is not only destitute of weight but endowed with a principle of levity in consequence of this property a body containing phlogiston is always lighter than it would otherwise be and it becomes heavier when the phlogiston makes its escape hence the reason why calx of tin is heavier than the same tin in the metallic state the increase of weight is not owing as boyle believed to the fixation of heat in the tin but to the escape of phlogiston from it those philosophic chemists who thus refined upon the properties of phlogiston did not perceive that by endowing it with a principle of levity they destroyed all the other characters which they had assigned to it. What is gravity? Is it not an attraction by means of which bodies are drawn towards each other and remain united? And is there any reason for supposing that chemical attraction differs in its nature from the other kinds of attraction which matter possesses? If, then, Phlogiston be destitute of gravity, it cannot possess any attraction for other bodies. If it be endowed with a principle of levity, it must have the property of repelling other bodies. For that, is the only meaning that can be attached to the term. But if phlogiston has the property of repelling all other substances, how comes it to be fixed in combustible bodies? It must be united to the calces or the acids, which constitute the other principle of these bodies, and it could not be united and remain united unless a principle of attraction existed between it and these bases. That is to say, unless it possessed a principle the very opposite of levity. Thus, the fact that celtes are heavier than the metals from which they are formed, in reality overturned the whole doctrine of Phlogiston. And the only reason why the doctrine continued to be admitted after the fact was known is, that in these early days of chemistry, the balance was scarcely ever employed in experimenting. Hence, alterations in weight were little attended to or entirely overlooked. We shall see afterwards that when Leviosa introduced a more accurate mode of experimenting, and rendered it necessary to compare the original weights of the substances employed with the weights of the products he made use of this very experiment of Boyle, and a similar one made with mercury to overturn the whole doctrine of phlogiston the phlogistic school being thus founded by stahl in berlin a race of chemists succeeded him in that capital who contributed in no ordinary degree to the improvement of the science the most deservedly celebrated of these were newman pott margraf and ella Kaspar Neumann was born at Zulica in Germany in 1682. He was early received into favor by the king of Prussia, and traveled at the expense of that monarch into Holland, England, France, and Italy. During these travels he had an opportunity of making a personal acquaintance with the most eminent men of science in all the different countries which he visited, on his return home in seventeen twenty four he was appointed professor of chemistry in the royal college of physic and surgery at berlin where he delivered a course of lectures annually during the remainder of his life he enjoyed the situation of superintendent of the royal laboratory and apothecary to the king of prussia he died in seventeen thirty seven he was a fellow of the royal society and several papers of his appeared in the transactions of that learned body the following is a list of these papers all of which were written in Latin. 1. Disquistio de camphora. 2. De experimento probandi spiritum vini galli, Perquam usitato sed revera falso et falaci. Some merchants in Holland, England, Hamburg, and Danzig were in possession of what they considered an infallible test to distinguish French brandy from every other kind of spirit. It was a dusky-yellowish liquid. When one or two drops of it were let fall into a glass of French brandy, a beautiful blue colour appeared at the bottom of the glass, and when the brandy is stirred, the whole liquid becomes azure. But if the spirit tried, be malt spirit, no such colour appears in the glass. Newman ascertained that the test liquid is merely a solution of sulphate of iron in water, and that the blue colour was the consequence of the brandy having been kept in oak casks, and thus having dissolved a portion of tannin, every spirit will exhibit the same color if it has been kept in oak casks. 3. Dacillibus alchino fixis. 4. De camphora thymii. 5. De ambra grecia. His other papers published in Germany are the following In the Ephemerides. 1. De olio distillato formicorum atherio. 2. De albumine ove simili. In the Miscellanea Berlinensia. 1. Meditaciones in vinous observationes de aqua per putrefactionem rubra. bulgo Protali in sanguinum versa habita. 2. Succinta relatio exactis pomeranius de prodigio sanguinis in palude viso. 3. De prodigios sanguinis ex pomeranio nunciato. 4. Disquisitio de camphora. 5. De experimento probandi spiritum vini gallicum. 6. De spiritu urinoso caustico. 7. Demonstratio sirupum violarum ad probanda liquida non sufficiere. 8. examine correcciones ole raparum. Nine. De vi caustica et conversiona salium alcalino fixorum aeri expositorum in salia neutra. He published separately. One. De salibus alcalino fixis et camphora. Two. De succino opio cariophilis aromaticis et castorio. Three. On saltpeter, sulfur, antimony and iron. Four on tea, coffee, beer, and wine. 5. Disquistio de Ambra Grecia. 6. On common salt, tartar, sal, ammoniac, and ants. After Newman's death, two copies of his chemical lectures were published. The first consisting of notes taken by one of his pupils, intermixed with incoherent compilations from other authors, was printed at Berlin in 1740. The other was printed by the booksellers of the orphan hospital of Zulikau, the place of Newman's birth and is said to have been taken from the original papers in the author's handwriting. Of this last, an excellent translation with many additions and corrections was published by Dr. Lewis in London in the year 1759. It is entitled, The Chemical Works of Caspar Newman, M.D., Professor of Chemistry at Berlin, F.R.S., etc., abridged and methodized, with large editions containing the later discoveries and improvements made in chemistry, and the arts depending thereon, by William Lewis, M.B., f r s london seventeen fifty nine this is an excellent book and contains many things that still retain their value notwithstanding the improvements which have been made since in every department of chemistry end of section twenty seven